from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A little help on the farm. So we invented our own chain binder. See what's coming out of this shop that might have you saying, why didn't I think of that? As a powerful nor'easter moves in, bringing heavy snow and flooding. And a new census of agriculture is released. In addition to all the amazing work and data that it contains, is a wake-up call. What the numbers are telling us about farming right now in America. This morning on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We have a new all-encompassing look at America's farms and ranches. USDA this week releasing its 2022 Census of Agriculture. The census representing a count of U.S. farms and ranches and the people who operate them. Something the agency only does once every five years. The numbers and statistics important for setting policy and priorities for USDA. So here are some highlights so far from the 757 page report. We'll start with the age of the average farm producer. In 2017, it was 57.5. It has increased again, now at 58.1. How many farms are there in the U.S.? The census says there are just over 1.9 million farms, a drop of almost 7% from the last census. However, the average farm size in acres has grown from 441 in 2017 to 465 in 2022, an increase of 5%. Now, Texas is a top state for having the highest number of farms by county, followed by Missouri, Iowa, Ohio, and Illinois. In 2017, when we did the survey, there were 2,042,220 farms. Today, the survey reports we have 1,900,487 farms. So doing a little quick math, that's 142,000 fewer farms in five years. In five years. The survey tells us that in 2017, we had almost, well, a little over 900 million acres of land and farming. Five years later, we have 880 million acres. So we've lost 20 million acres. I want to give you a sense of how many acres that is. That's every New England state, with the exception of Connecticut. This survey, in addition to all the amazing work and data that it contains, is a wake-up call. This survey is essentially telling us, asking the critical question of whether as a country are we okay with losing that many farms? Are we okay with losing that much farmland? Or is there a better way? Looking at farm production expenses, we're talking about feed, labor, fertilizer, cash rents, seeds, chemicals. From 2017 to 2022, they have grown from $326 billion to $424 billion. That represents an increase of $98 billion or almost 30%, while per farm average net income has grown from more than $43,000 in 2017 to now almost $80,000 as of 2022, an increase of 85%. Look for us to take a deeper dive into these numbers and statistics over the next several weeks. 
One government agency says look for crop insurance costs to surge over the next decade. The Congressional Budget Office projects that federally subsidized crop insurance will cost an additional $27.7 billion over the next decade. Now that represents a 29% increase and a total cost of nearly $125 billion in the decade ending in 2033. That's with the government covering roughly 62% of premiums. But despite the increase, USDA spending on crop and livestock subsidies and land stewardship programs is expected to remain stable. Livestock insurance has seen significant growth since 2018 due to increased premium subsidy rates covering $26.4 billion in liabilities last year. People in the Northeast are digging out this morning from an intense nor'easter storm. The storm bringing up to two inches of snow per hour, ending what has been one of the warmest winters on record in the region. Forecasters predicting an inch to two inches in Philadelphia and up to 12 inches in Boston and Hartford. New York and New Jersey forecasters were calling for up to eight inches of snow. Governors from Pennsylvania to Rhode Island urging people to stay off the roads. It is expected to cause hazardous travel conditions, potential power outages, and coastal flooding. And a new surge of wet weather is coming in from the Pacific Ocean. Meteorologist Matt Egelbrecht joins us with an update there. And this is kind of the pattern that we are looking for last week is that you have a low pressure system and you have a trough on the east coast where we saw that rain, that snow on Tuesday. And then right behind it, you got another trough digging off on the west coast. Just some more rain reaching parts of California. Now, this isn't going to be as bad or last as long as that previous storm, storms that impacted California. But it's enough to push some energy in and across the United States. The other thing that we're going to be monitoring, a weak clipper system that is going to be moving across the United States. It could put down about a few inches of some snowfall right along the boundary between the rain and the snow heavier snowfall back up into Wisconsin as this moves to the south and to the southeast. Now into our Friday morning and Friday afternoon, another one will start to come through. But notice these aren't going to be as strong as what we had on Tuesday with that nor'easter. So there just isn't a lot of support from the upper part of the atmosphere. So again, there's Friday at about 9 p.m. And take a look at your screen here. Zach sending this one in from Kansas, getting ready for plant 24. But the weather is causing a bit of a slowdown. Zach saying that uh, some unexpected snow means a few more days in the shop prepping planters. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Markets looking to recover today following Tuesday's sell off after the latest release of January inflation data. The consumer price index rising 0.3% last month and up 3.1% year over year. That's higher than economists predicted. Driving inflation last month, a sharp rise in shelter prices up 6% year over year. Now food was 2.6% higher. Breaking it down further, food at home, 1.2% above a year ago. However, food away from home is up more than 5%. But the CPI's overall trend for the past year or so is largely down. On the business side, that's also true for the producer price index. Data like that has some economists feeling optimistic. The world economy is now poised for this soft landing we have been dreaming for. But prices are still historically high and consumer confidence has yet to rebound completely. In Spain, farmers are continuing to protest, seizing control of streets and roads across various cities. Using their tractors, it's reported they've disrupted vital routes leading to Madrid. 
They are protesting in hopes the EU government announces measures to safeguard the future of farming activities. Now, those farmers are concerned about measures that would cause production cost hikes, cuts into profits, and spark unfair competition from non-EU countries. The demonstrations are expected to continue for several more days, with more protests being organized in the capital for next week. Soybeans continue to slide while cattle pull back off of recent highs. We'll look at markets coming up next. And later, get a look at some on-farm ideas from some Aggie engineers. We'll check out some cool homemade contraptions in the country. Favorable weather conditions in Brazil put the pressure back on soybeans Tuesday. I guess Michelle Rook is here to talk about it with Alan Brugler in Markets Now. Joining us with Markets, Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing. And Alan, we had the grains mostly lower on Tuesday with the exception of some fractional gains in the corn market. You know, how much of the losses in soybeans was just basically this risk off from outside market? I think that's a big piece of it. The, the there's just not much incentive to go into the grains right now from a, from a speculative standpoint. The stock market's been on fire, although it, it pulled back a little after the CPI numbers. The uh, but you know that's where the hot money's all going right now. You you could argue with with a little inflation that you should still trade commodities, but again, inflation is fairly quiet. Three point one percent on the CPI today. Uh, the dollar was strong because of those other factors. And that usually works against exports. And, and frankly, uh, if you look at FOB prices, Brazil is way below the U.S. offers on beans. So it's just, it's just hard to make a big bullish argument on beans other than we're oversold. We're setting on potential retracement support and hoping to find a story here. Right. And when you look at the charts, we kind of went up into the $12 area, which is serving as pretty good resistance on beans, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a saying in the technical community that uh, support be, old support becomes resistance, old resistance becomes support. And that's kind of what's happening here. You know, for a while there, we were bumping on $12 as round number support. Then we broke through it. Now it's it's overhead resistance. It's a it's a battleground. I think if we can conclusively get above $12, we'll, we'll chase some of the shorts out. But so far, I haven't been able to do that. Is the corn market just about ready to put a low in, you think, here? Are the specs done selling on that side of the market? I'd love to call the low in corn. I just don't quite have a trigger. Uh, the spec fund position in the last commitment trades report was the fourth largest bearish position in, in our database. Uh, that's the net net short. Uh, so they're, they're very heavily committed to the short side. Frankly, they, they can't buy a lot right here because there's not enough sell paper, paper from the commercials. The uh, farmer selling is still very slow. I think we're, we're definitely still behind on, on farmer sale commitments here for obvious reasons. Price is down. Thanks for joining us. Alan Burglar for the Marketing Level Ag Day coming up. To talk to Alan about his ag market professional services, call Brugler Marketing and Management at 402-697-3623 or visit his website, www.bruglermarketing.com. 
I'll start off looking at that jet stream. So again, we got the nor'easter or that uh, east coast storm moving away from the coast. Ridge of high pressure building, but it's going to be short lived. Now you're going to see a bump in the temperatures on Wednesday and then a, a weak kind of clipper system drift down from the south. Not a very deep trough, so the cold air from this is going to be pretty shallow. Now, meaning the length that cold air sticks around isn't going to be all that long before you start to see a big ridge start to develop once again back out to the west. So again, this is Saturday and into Sunday. As again, Monday and Tuesday, this trough lifts up to the north and to the east with more ridging back over towards the four corners in Texas. That should keep things uh, pretty quiet. So we're going from kind of an active pattern with the jet stream with those pieces of energy working uh, in and across the United States uh, to more ridging, which should quiet things down uh, next week and allow some of these temperatures to come back up. But when I say back up, I'm talking about back above average for this time of year. So again, there's that jet stream coming up on Sunday and into Monday. They got uh, that ridge, uh, some of the uh, white lines extending way up here towards the north, which is again, I'm going to reemphasize that above average pattern in and across the United States. So again, there's the jet stream coming up on Tuesday. Uh, in terms of the current snow depth, I expect this to increase more white and possibly uh, even some uh, pinks and purples to extend back up here towards the north as we have a couple of systems coming through and then also back onto the west coast in the higher terrain with that next piece of moisture that is going to be coming through as well. So again, there's a look at the current snow depth map. If we take a look at the temperature outlook, no surprise here where that ridge of high pressure was located, those above normal temperatures really start to increase. That takes us into this third, second or third week of February. Here's a look at Austin, Minnesota. Got some evening showers, a high around 47 degrees, low of 24. What about Georgia, Rome, high around 63 degrees, rather sunny. We'll leave it off. That is Oklahoma, burns flat, sunny with some strong winds. And later, farmers have always been creative fixers. We'll see some of these innovations in action from Arkansas today in the country. Besides prices, sow deaths were trending in the wrong direction last year. And so were wean to finish mortality rates, increasing from 6.8% in 2022 to 7.6% last year. So what can be done to prevent mortality numbers from rising this year? Porkbusiness.com editor Jennifer Scheich recently speaking with one service technician who says it comes down to focus and prioritization. That includes little things like making sure the barns are clean and ready. So it's just those little things I think that um, really can add up to be quite big in the end. And another thing might be is just finding ways to take advantage of technology to help make decisions. From technology that just assures that you have proper ventilation and heat, but also technology that's um, allowing you to see what water usage is like every day. And I think that's one thing that producers say time and time again, when the water usage drops, something's going on. But that ability to know when that happens even just a little bit faster, um, even if we're talking 12 hours, 24 hours faster, that's going to help um, producers be able to go in and make some decisions on how to remedy those situations or find out what's going wrong. Jen's expert says it's also important to see every pig every day. For more on this story, head over to porkbusiness.com. And Farm Journal's Pork Business also holding its annual Best Beards in the Pork Industry Contest. Now the judges evaluating a very competitive group of beards that ranged in length, neatness, color, and texture. And here's your first place winner, Tony the Hopper Hoppert of Asbury, Iowa. The judges remarked on the 
awe natural look of Tony's beard and the lovely wave and color variation, not to mention that one judge said Tony could easily fit in as a member of rock group ZZ Top. Judge and host of Agritalk Chip Flory saying of Tony's beard, quote, when you go into competition, you've got to be willing to show off what you've got. And this guy is flaunting a whole rack of ribs hanging off his face, end quote. Now, Hoppert grew up on a hog farm and now serves as a wildlife technician for DNR when he's not working for JR's South Pork Ranch. You can see all of the finalists over at porkbusiness.com. Now, we all know farmers can get pretty creative with that Aggie engineering. We're off to Arkansas next to see some innovative ideas in the country. ever thought there must be a tool of some kind to make a certain job easier on the farm? Well, one metals and fabrication operation might have already thought of it. The Arkansas Farm Bureau recently checked out some of the clever solutions metal fabricators are coming up with in the town of Gasville. We invent and we innovate. In the very beginning, I met these guys at the school. Honestly, I wanted to be a carpenter when I was in high school. Started doing maintenance for him and then it evolved into this. I went to college after high school, um, got my certification for welding, and was working on the road for a while. They decided that they needed a, another good welder on site, so um, they asked me and I was interested in it. I didn't want to be on the road anymore. We started with one called powder coating and we were powder coating uh, cups and we built a powder coat oven. and. Just got to know the guys and saw their skill level and their talent and then it progressed to where we started talking about some ideas of things that would make our lives better. You know, we were struggling one day with uh, chain binders and pinching fingers. We decided we could do better, so we invented our own chain binder and got it patented. Way easier and saves a lot of time for people on the farm. And to press your paddle, pull out a little bit of slack. I'm sure everybody knows the pain of trying to find the right link. With our design, it doesn't matter. You just grab any link you want, cinch all that slack out of it, put your safety pin back in, spin the handle a couple times, and you're all done and loaded up. The thing we like to do, I mean, we like to go use it. We like to abuse it, and we like to figure out what's the weak points of it and all that. So we get it to a certain point, and we're happy about it. The gratification's there. It's great. But um, then we start figuring out all the flaws. We start fixing everything. You have your bucket and pallet forks at the same time. We have a bucket when we needed forks, and we had forks when we needed a bucket. So we decided to design a collapsible, foldable fork that would store on the bucket. So wherever we were, we had both. A spring latch on the back that retains the fork in the upright position. And the fork folds down. You've got your pallet forks. We've also got our brush guard, which not only protects the tractor, hydraulic lines, radiator, all that, it will also protect the operator as well. That's a bit of a game changer because, you know, one thing in agriculture, many times it's the wife running the equipment or many farmers are elderly. Most farmers are by themselves when they're out doing their job. So, you know, safety is, of course, a huge thing. Farm Bureau, obviously, is a, is a great organization. There was an innovation challenge, and we could apply for it as a, a new young business uh, with an innovative idea that would help agriculture. And we said, well, check, check, and check. We brought three of our products, our tractor fork system, our chain binder, and a culvert clean-out tool that we also invented and used, and we won. We believe in paying it forward. When we were down at the Ag Innovation Challenge, a lot of high school students came by, met them. You know, our guys are just a few years out of high school, so they have a lot that they can relate to, and they see 
their potential future. It's always worth it at the end whenever you have a product you see and, and watching it work for the first time. Pretty darn rewarding. And that's the best part of it is just trying to figure out something new that solves a new problem. I think the potential is unlimited. And our thanks to the Arkansas Farm Bureau for sharing that story with us. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agdam, Clinton News.